Oh, this was interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen one like this. The same thing showed up as both a goal and a challenge, a top challenge, which was the goal was to better align sales and marketing efforts. The challenge was my sales and marketing aren't well aligned today. Now, it's an interesting twist on how people respond to surveys, but but for something to be mentioned as not only um, a current relevant chronic challenge, but also something we need to fix, uh, I think is noteworthy. University of Alabama's Colorado's College Business is Bear Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories most people both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens and I show today, Jim Carr. This is the final episode to our three-part series with Jim, in which we talk about some of the classes that Jim teaches and his philosophies in approaching students in the modern age. I hope you enjoy. I think you sort of touched on throughout that little the definition explanation of the Super Bowl is it worth it? Is it not social media? Now, this is maybe just an instance that I've come across or maybe a phenomenon that I've had, but obviously social media targets ads. It's going to be based on profile preferences, stuff like that. A lot of analytical tools that might have not been around, you know, a decade ago where now we have these personal computers or our devices pretty much aggregate all this data and go, okay, here's what they're looking for. I found myself getting more and more B2B ads. Not necessarily like as a consumer myself, but as a, hey, you're so-and-so a part of this organization. Would you be interested in this service and this product? Do you think that's a common trend that's going to continue into the future? Or do you think that's sort of a flash in the plan? People are trying it out and, you know, seeing where it goes. It's likely to continue to show up. And of course, you now you're a big time podcaster. So the 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 AI that's driving a lot of the, the targeting efforts there, they they, you know, they figure you're a big business and, uh, and, and a big influencer now, Cole. So you're going to have to put up with that uh, even more so over time. But it, it is a, uh, and whether you're looking at business to consumer markets digitally or business to business, uh, it, it is driven by the same, uh, or at least very similar imperatives of gaining attention, what's relevant and where people are spending their time and how do we, how do we rise above the noise? Uh, it's, Certainly, a, a, a phrase that we've we've talked about a lot. I mean, how do you how do you stand out among the thousands of promotional messages that most of us get on a daily basis? So, um, through the use of cookies, through the use of other analytics, and, and and all sorts of very sophisticated A/B testing techniques that are that are going on. Yeah, most most um, most advertisers have a pretty good sense of. Okay, who's buying raincoats, and what's the what's the weather forecast in Tuscaloosa, and you know, I'm going to get that banner ad or I'm going to get that email um, to someone that if I just look at the probabilities of it, start putting those percentages together is likely to be in the market or at least interested in being in the market. So that would be the the why change and the why now uh, at some point and in, in finding you that way. So um, it, it's interesting, I think, in the business to business world, a lot of the struggle had been how can we take the same sort of mindset? And be more precise in where we do our outreach and where we have our conversations and how we how we try to get hold of prospects. Um, more and more, I, I see, um, and, and some businesses are still still lagging. They're just trying to get the get the message, but more and more are being more sophisticated in terms of 
what constitutes an ideal customer or client. Um, who are the top key accounts we want to target? The people within those accounts are the ones who are influential in that particular industry. And so a lot of the, the tools and tricks that uh, have really developed primarily on the B2C side are finding their way on the, the B2B side as well. I think one of the lines that we used talking about the Super Bowl was the, is it worth it kind of statement. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you know, downfalls the whole like sales industry of like selling this pen or something like that, where people like have this go-to line, but that's not really what sales is because it applies everywhere. I think Alabama has a phenomenal program. It's known for its sales program itself. It's a minor in the undergraduate uh, program, I believe. And Joe Calamusa has been on the podcast himself and he talked a little bit about that program, but obviously you're coming in and you specialize in that idea of B2B. That's where a lot of big money contracts are sold. Think about like airplanes and trains and healthcare systems, everything. And in between, there's a new program launching a part of the business school that I would love you to talk about. I think it's a phenomenal opportunity, but could you also expand into why it's worth it to maybe specialize in sales as a manager? And I'll, I'll take it as, is why, um, sales is kind of a part of the curriculum, but also what sellers today, especially really good ones, uh, high value sellers. I'm going to talk about someone, you know, in the proverbial sweatshop, you know, just kind of smiling and dialing that sort of thing. No, we're talking about value added, um, very good professional sellers and seller selling teams. So one of the, one of the major, and, and it's not just from my, uh, my experience in seeing this and hearing people complain about it and be frustrated by it, but, uh, is the disconnect between sales and marketing. Uh, which is a very common complaint. I saw from a company called HubSpot, one of the leaders in CRM, customer relationship management software systems. They did a survey among uh, several thousand uh, sellers and selling managers and chief revenue officers and asked them for their, their biggest goals for 2023, as well as their business challenges for 2023. And Cole, this was interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen one like this. The same thing showed up as both a goal and a challenge, a top challenge, which was the goal was to better align sales and marketing efforts. The challenge was my sales and marketing aren't well aligned today. Now, it's an interesting twist on how people respond to surveys, but, but for something to be mentioned as not only um, a current relevant chronic challenge, but also something we need to fix, uh, I think is noteworthy. One of the things that is, uh, is not completely unique here at Culver House, but one of the things we have that most business schools don't is that active sales program and marketing in ways that we have, we have a lot of cross fertilization in how that happens with, uh, with our faculty, with our programs, with our classes, um, and, and bringing those pieces together. We're, we're trying to bust down those walls, uh, at this level as, as best we can and, and have our students really be able to see how those things link together. If in practice, for example, if marketing and sales aren't really linked, then what's happening? Well, we have marketing, which may be out there saying our job is to demonstrate, is to build awareness, is to, uh, to build brand preference. It's to demonstrate thought leadership um, where we have maybe have people in sales going, that has nothing to do with the conversations that I have with my folks. Or sometimes marketing is tasked with providing qualified leads. 
Well, oftentimes marketing and sales don't agree on what a qualified lead is. And at what point in the process do things get handed over? How do you track them? Um, how do you have a sense of the health of your pipeline? And are, are you maintaining the profitability? You have all, all the things that can come that are not great from misalignment. So at that overall level, I think the bringing together very intentionally sales and marketing in our programs is uh, is designed to help us attack as best we can at this level one of the biggest headaches, one of the biggest challenges that sellers and selling teams and selling leaders say is present today. So I think that's an important part of it. From um, from an individual example, and this is something I think that that speaks well of our efforts uh, to to have people either take some sales classes. Uh, even if they don't, maybe it's a, a minor, maybe they're integrating those things together. Uh, one of the things that I, uh, I'll ask clients and, and, and others who have that revenue responsibility, what do they, what do they want to see from their sellers and their selling team or what constitutes those who are on your team who do really well? There's an 80, 20 rule that tends to apply. So maybe 20% of your people are generating the, the bulk of your business. They're really very good at what they do. What is it that they do that's different that you would like to see all of your sellers be able to do across the team? And the phrase that I've heard lately, um, Cole, I don't know if you've heard this one, is business acumen. Mm. It basically a sense of not just knowing your product or your solution, but understanding um, where your business makes money, but really understanding for your customers or prospects, how do they make money? I mean, really, what are the what are the trends that are most impacting them? How can you connect the dots with what your product or service does to helping them, helping them to reduce risk, reduce costs, generate revenue, generate goodwill? So really just having a sense of how business especially your prospects and, and customers' businesses work so that you actually are able to bring something to them that's useful. You can bring them some insight and data points, help them sift through things. Um, there's, a, um, there's some research came out, and it was a, a, a nice article from uh, Brent Adamson in Harvard Business Review a few months ago. And he, he talked about the problem for buyers, and, and this for any, anybody's making a big spending decision, right? Uh, it's not just that buyers, potential buyers have access through the internet to a lot more information, more than we can handle. Is that by now it's actually pretty good information, but it can seem contradictory, right? So you as a seller need to understand and really appreciate your, your buyer's business and guide them. You're not trying to sell to them necessarily. You're trying to determine fit and you're trying to be someone that can help them make sense of the different data points, the different bits of information, and, and try to help uh, set that up. You don't want to try to pitch something to someone that doesn't need it. It won't integrate with what they do today, that they'll be disappointed with it. You don't want to leave opportunities on the table either. So what I think that means is, first of all, to take a uh, – to take a a more holistic approach between sales and marketing areas that aren't the same, but they are very closely related and should be. And when we put together sales messaging, conversational playbooks, I'm, we're getting input from sales and marketing and maybe product and operations 
So let's get common language, common understanding. Let's make sure we're looking at a small number of common metrics to know how we're doing and where we can get better. And again, being able to do that here at Culver House with that in mind, bringing marketing and sales together as much as, as, much as we can. And to have sellers and if young people who are going out there and, and maybe starting a sales job, it's great if they're a, a business student. I mean, not only is it a, uh, those sales jobs are some of the easiest to get when you first come out and they can be very lucrative and very rewarding. You do that as a career. But if you're someone who's selling that actually understands how businesses tend to work, you will, you'll be a star. At least you have the potential for being a star early on. So with the launch of this program, especially the master's program, I think one of the coolest things from this is going to be the integration, not only of your clinical experience, but bringing that into the classroom, not from your actual lectures, but from also employer participation. How do you see that modeling some of the best sellers going to the future? And what do you want you know, people who are coming, looking at the program to get out of this program? And this is a common thing, Cole, across a lot of great programs and majors uh, here at Culver House. And part of what has, has led to our growth, what makes it such an attractive place to be, is we have a lot of good partnerships. We have uh, companies who, who want to recruit our students. We have them who want to help participate. They want to share their experiences. They'll come in and talk to classes and, and work in some of the professional clubs and organizations and, and really be a great resource um, because they want to do it from the heart. They also want to do it for the sake of their business, right? It's, it's good business uh, to be able to have a good line on talent and to be able to um, share and learn best practices and from the faculty and from other people here as well. So I think um, to your question about that, I, the, the, the continued development of our, our sales program, what we do at the undergraduate level and this new track, a three-course track at our uh, master's level for marketing has that same spirit about it. So we have a, at this point, a, a number of uh, some, some companies that are helping in, in, a, in a small way. We're, we're dipping our toes in the shallow end of the pool right now and making sure we try to get this right. But they're, um, they're helping us promote the program. Um, they're lending some guest speakers and some, just some information and good practices uh, into, into the classes. And that's, that's fun to do. So I think doing that in a way, as you say, we're, we're using our experiences, we're using good concepts and theories, uh, what we know here, and also actively bringing in sponsors who, who want to help because, first of all, they want to help. And second of all, like this is a really interesting, um, interesting path. So maybe along the way, in terms of recruiting and retaining really good talent, what if we can find some of those students that have that extra bit of motivation and business acumen, those are the, the people who can really succeed and succeed quickly within our organization. I think that's a, a great point is that companies do it not only to teach, but also to recruit themselves. Because if they can find some good talent that maybe didn't make out to the career center or career fair, why not? Now, definitely capitalize on that. For someone with such a diverse background as yourself, obviously, not only being just on the, I won't say it's not the nice way possible, you're not just from the school of thought. You're also from the school of practicality. Your future is looking pretty good right now. Obviously, you're involved in a lot of different areas. You're launching this new three-course track. Where do you want to go in the next five, 10 years? Where do you see yourself sort of doing and building yourself up? 
well, it's kind of you to say, but there's nothing really unique about, about me combining all these different elements. There are a lot of people doing great things uh, in, in very similar ways. I, I'll tell you, Cole, I, I, um, what was attractive to us and now got a family, and uh, which includes um, we've got two, two college kids and a high school kid and a little girl. And um, so what at, at this stage about being back on campus and, and specifically here at the University of Alabama, even as a Gator, uh, what is it that uh, yeah, you, what you can't uh, see right now, listeners, is Cole making faces at me. But uh, so what make what made it attractive doing this, the sorts of things we're talking about is it really encouraged to um, to be able to stay active in practice and to be able to teach in these areas and continue to learn. I learned from my colleagues, you know, it's, it's great to be for me back on campus. I mean, I've, um, one of the, the things that I, um, in, in my background is I wrote a, a book was published a, a couple of years ago and I learned more writing the book and, and consulting with other people and asking them questions and things like that. You think, Oh, I'm learning new things about this, this area that I thought I knew. Uh, so it's, uh, from, from my standpoint is to, let's continue to build. I think it's, there's so many good things going on at Culver House and our trajectory is good. We continue to have record enrollment numbers. We have great programs. Um, there's just a great energy around uh, what's happening. We're sitting here in Houston Hall and this wonderful facility and, and planning the next stages of growth. For me, I'm, I, I'm, in, a, I'm in a great spot and, and happy to be here and um, hope to continue to be having this sort of an integrated role for, I would think, years to come. Here's to it. Well, Jim, it was great talking to you. One question I always ask everyone that's on the podcast is, what's one memory that Alabama has granted you that you will remember for the rest of your life? That can be, you know, professional, professionally, personally, going to a football game. What is that one memory that sticks out to you? There are a few that I could could choose from, but I'm not an alumnus. Um, now it is, again, the case is my, my second, second route uh, here in Tuscaloosa, and I enjoyed a lot. But really, for me, what I um, what's most what was most profound um, is is our um, our second oldest child is uh, he just started as a as a freshman this term, and uh, no, he's not going to be a business major. Doesn't want to be around dad that much here on campus. That's fine. He's, he has his own track. But um, when he uh, he was telling my my wife and me a little while back about how his, in his first semester went really well and how he was really comfortable that he was comfortable that he had come to the right place. That, that was a great moment. And that was just a dad moment, right? It had nothing to do with being an instructor or doing anything else like that is uh, we made the, we made the move um, here in Tuscaloosa and he had already had Alabama on his radar back from a couple of years ago, but uh, made his decision and, uh, and he's comfortable with it and he's in a good spot. And I think just as a, as a dad, you know, that, that's a, that's a good moment. Um, I'm glad to hear that he's finding his place here at Alabama and he's enjoying the uh, roll tide experience and not the gator. He's experience. enjoying, he's enjoying the roll tide experience. And, uh, the, you know, they grew up in, in Arkansas. So there was all that woo pig stuff going on too. So, nah. but uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's fully, fully into roll tide. I'm glad to hear that. Now, Jim, if anyone wants to reach out, learn more about the program, learn more about you personally, what's the best way to do that? Best way, I would say for 
for this audience is LinkedIn. Uh, certainly, you know, all the resources uh, here, our websites and things here at, at Culver House for more about the programs. For me, I'd, I'd be really happy to make a connection via LinkedIn. The biggest challenge through that is just getting my last name right. So it's pronounced Carr, but it, it's, it's spelled a little bit differently. It's <laughs> K-A-R-R-H. And so if you, the, the one thing about having a, a name like that, and yes, Cole, it has been recommended that I buy a vowel, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's, it is what it is. But um, hey, if you put uh, Jim Carr correctly spelled into Google, I own like the first eight pages. So um, uh, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn as well. So I'd welcome that connection and, um, and meeting so many people uh, here on campus or, or virtually along the way. And if anyone wants to hear more from you speaking, you also do have a podcast. You want to throw a plug in there? I do. Um, thank you very much for, for lobbing that one up for me. Um, mine is called the Manage Your Message Podcast. You can find it in all the usual places. And I have a, a book called The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business, which you can find in all the usual places in Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and uh, the audio version as well. That's Jim Carr, Clinical Professor of Marketing here at the University of Alabama. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu for more about the Culverhouse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.